This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, Parshas Shmos, everybody. See, here's what it says. Bayomere lav Hashem, mazeb yadecha. Kaddish Baruch Hu says to him, what's that in your hands? Moshe Rabbeinu is standing there. He hears that he has to go down to Mitzrayim. He's not sure this is the greatest of ideas. And Hashem says to him, Mazab Yerecha, what's in your hands? And he said, Vayomer Mata. I've got a staff in my hands. I've got this staff. Vayomer Arza. And he said, throw it down to the ground. Throw it down to the ground. Moshe Rabbeinu was told, throw it down to the ground. Arza. He threw it down to the ground. And it became a snake. Vayonas Moshe Mipanov. And Moshe Rabbeinu ran away from the snake, which was really his staff. Just send out your hand, put out your hand, grab onto the tail of the snake, which is very easy, right? We've all grabbed snakes by the tail many, many times before. So he said, He sent out his hand, he grabbed it, and it became a mate in his hands. It became a staff in his hands. Okay, so now, Rashi says that the words maze in the maze biyadecha are written as one. It's written mem, zayin, hey. But it's pronounced ma, zeh. What is that in your hands? Mem, hey, and then zayin, hey. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was telling him that it's your fault for being hosted b'chsherit. You assumed that the Jews were not going to be able to go with you. You assumed that the Jews would not want you to be their leader, right? And for that reason, you deserve to be hit. From that which is in your hands, you deserve to be hit. You deserve to be smacked like a staff, like a stick, that's what you deserve right now. That's the line that Moshe Rabbeinu is told. The Chafetz Chaim says this is a hint to Moshe that he had spoken Lashahara about Klai Yisrael. Who else but the Chafetz Chaim would say such a thing, right? That he had spoken Lashahara about Klai Yisrael, that the Choshed B'chshirim was really Lashahara, that you dare think that B'nai Yisrael weren't going to do such a thing, that they weren't going to be there. And Mazeh is the hinting that punishment stems from speaking Lashonara can be from the person himself. That when a person speaks Lashonara, the punishment is not only tzaras, it could be a person's health that becomes waning. It could be a person's happiness, a person's wealth, person's wealth all from speaking Lashonara. Just that little amount of Lashonara that you spoke has the ability to ruin you completely. In a second, like that, the staff turns into a snake. Just like that, all of a sudden it comes into a snake to bite you and says the Chavetz Chaim that's based on what he had done before. The Balaturim says there are three messages here from the word Mazeh being written as Mem Zayin He. Mem Zeh. Number one, this staff, that's the Zeh, weighed Mem Zeh. It was a 40 Zeh staff. Zeh is a large amount. A Zeh is 144 eggs. 40 times 144 eggs. That's how much this staff weighed. That's how much this staff weighed. That's a really heavy staff. And he said, this unbelievably heavy staff, this really heavy staff, that's what's going to be in your hands when you do all the miracles. And he said, it's this specifically that's going to be with you. Another line that he says over here is he was Moshe Rabbeinu, you're going to be in charge of the Zeh Shvatim, the 12 Shvatim, the Gematri of Zeh. For mem years, for 40 years, you're going to be in charge. It's going to be mazeh memzeh, that those 12 shvatim, you're going to have them for a total of 40 years altogether. Or, if Moshe Rabbeinu is wondering why he was Zohar to lead the Jews, who's Moshe Rabbeinu that he should be in charge of the Jews? To that, 
he's being told over here, the reason why is not because of anything that Moshe Rabbeinu did. It's not because you, Moshe Rabbeinu, are so great. It's not from you that everything is happening. It's from the staff in your hands. That really the staff could have been given to anyone. Anyone could have had this staff. And anyone who would have had this staff would have been able to be able to do it. It's It's from this staff that's in your hands that everything is happening. And not from something great that you necessarily did. It could be from something great that other people did that you were involved with. That's the idea behind it. Likewise, the Panech Raza says that because of this, Mizeh refers to the Luchos. Mizeh umizehim ksuvim, it says about them, that the schus of the Luchos, you'll be able to do everything for Klai Yisrael so that Klai Yisrael can get the Torah. And that's the idea behind it. Those are four pshatim in what the Mazeh is. The Tosefis Bracha says a very sad remez over here, in which he says, your downfall will be from this staff. What did Moshe Rabbeinu do with the staff at the end of 40 years? He hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock. From this which is in your hands, this staff, you're going to lose everything. This is going to be the reason why you die. This is going to be the reason because you treated it in the wrong way. You did something wrong with that rock. Instead of speaking to it, you hit it instead. All of those are Ramazim, as why it says Mazeh, and it's written as Mizeh itself. Then comes the Rabbeinu Bechaya. The Rabbeinu Bechaya says there are five things that this staff did, and that's the hay that's missing in this Pasuk. Mazeh should be written Mem Hay, Zayin Hay. There's a hay missing, because five things should have happened through this staff. Five things are the Nachash, the staff was going to turn into an Nachash. Number two, the Barad was going to come from the staff. He's going to put it up in the air. It's going to cause the Barad to come down. The Arba, the locusts, were going to come from the staff itself. Choshech was going to come from the staff and what he was going to do with the staff, as well as Krias Yamsuf. He stretched the staff over the Yamsuf. He caused the Yamsuf to split. All five things were going to happen from this staff. All the other Makos were either done through Aaron's staff. Remember, Aaron's staff hit the Yam, hit the, uh, the what's it called, the, the Nile River and caused it to turn into blood. Aaron's staff is the one that made Svardea, or it happened through Akadosh Baruch himself. But five things happened through the staff. That's what the Rabbeinu Bechaya says. The Shach says this is an answer based on that Rabbeinu Bechaya. And he says, why is Bnei Yisrael going to believe Moshe Rabbeinu? What does Moshe Rabbeinu have that everybody is going to believe him? What do I have, said Moshe Rabbeinu, that makes everyone think that I'm the, going to be the one in charge? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him, you have Ma and Zion. Ma and Zion. Memhe and Zion. Now, this gets into something that we don't usually get into, which is using names of HaKadosh Baruch Hu to under, understand how certain things happen in the world. You could wonder, how in the world could all these miracles happen just from holding on to a staff? And obviously, a Kurdish Baruch can make everything happen. Anything could happen at any time. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu was already proficient in using a Kurdish Baruch Hu's names. He killed the Ish Mitzri years earlier, maybe even 60 years earlier, by using a certain name of a Kurdish Baruch Hu and causing him to die in the ground. That's what Rashi says. So we have a man who's proficient in Shemos at the age of 20, even though he grew up as an Egyptian. He grew up still around Yochavin and, 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 and Amram in some way, shape, or form. He knew the different Shemos of Hashem, the names of a Kurdish Baruch Hu and how to use them properly what to be able to use in order to kill a Mitzri and even said to the two people they said to him he showed them that what they were doing was incorrect that our shameless of Hashem that if used correctly could be done in a proper way says the Shach you have the shame Memhe the 45 letter name of HaKadosh Baruch what does the 45 letter name mean? 45 letter name refers to Yud Ke Vav Ke the regular Yud the He the Vav and the He that's used in a proper fashion where you spell it out Yud is spelled Yud Vav Dalid, that's 20. He is spelled He Aleph, that's 6. Vav is Vav Aleph Vav, that's 13. He is He Aleph, that's 6. 6 plus 6 plus 13 is 25. 25 plus um, 20 altogether. I messed up here. 
I, I'm, I did mess up in some way. It's Vav Vav without the Aleph inside there. Vav Vav is 12. And then comes the 6 and the 6, which is another 12. That's 24 plus the 20 of the Yud. And it's 40. I said 44 or 45. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm out of it. It's got to be 45, right? So it is. It's going to be Vav Alavav, which is 13. Then the Hay is 6, Hay is 6, right? And that's 12. 12 plus 13 is 25, plus the 20 of the Yud, and that's the 45-letter name of Akadosh Baruch Hu. So Shem Mem Hay refers to that. So even when I'm trying to mention what the different Meforshim say and how to do it, I even mess up. That, that's a problem. The Zion is that would be your weapon. Your ability to be able to defeat the Mitzrayim is your ability to use these Shemos properly, says the Shach And if you use it properly, if it goes well, the Egyptians have nothing on you. That's your power. You're going to be able to go up to the Egyptians and do anything you want. The same way you were able to kill the Mitzri with what you did before, you're going to be able to do again. And that's the shot behind it, the staff had on it letters from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name as well, the Tzach are somehow connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's Shemos. And therefore, the Matzah, which looks like a Zion, using the letters, which somehow imply the Yudke Vavke, that name of Ma, says the Shach, that's how you're going to be able to defeat the Mitzrayim. That's what you're going to be able to tell them. You're going to have a power to be able to do anything you want. The Rabbeinu B'chayim, the Rabbeinu Ephraim, both say that whenever miracles happen within Klal Yisrael, there are two ways of doing it. There's one in which there's midas ha-chesed, midas ha-rachamim, awesome things happen. And one is midas ha-din, where terrible things happen and people get punished through something you need to do. Where a person gets punished, you need to say HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name, so to speak, backward. Midas ha-din is tough shin reish kuf, going in a backwards fashion. Midas ha-chesed goes in a straightforward fashion, where you say it, Aleph, Beis, Gimel, Dalet, where it goes in one order versus the other. So he says... Over here, if you look at the Pasuk, it says, Artsa, the last letter is a hey. And he threw it down to the ground, and it became. The last letters are hey of Artsa, the last letter of Artsa again is hey, and Vayihi is a yud. That's yud ke vav ke, spelled completely backward. Hey, vav, hey, yud. By using that, by putting those letters backward, using that 45-letter shame, and going the opposite way, says the Rabbeinu B'chai and the Rabbeinu Ephraim, based on this shach, you'll be able to do things that no one else can do. You can turn the staff into a snake. You can turn a staff, which could be used for leadership, and turn it into a punishing item, an item that will destroy the Mitzrayim, knock down the Egyptians completely. And then when you want to turn it back, he would bring it back into his hands. The last letter is a yud. Lemate is a hey. is a vav. It'll be yud ke vav, although the hey is missing at the end. You'll be able to turn it back into a regular staff. You'll take the snake, the damaging item, and through chesed, turn it back into something which is awesome. That's what you're able to do. It's similar to what the Gemara says in Chulin with Rabbi Hanina. That Rabbi Hanina was able to control anybody that wanted to do anything against him because they didn't I'm able to do anything I want. He had a certain shame of HaKadosh Baruch where no one can do anything against me. That's the idea behind what this Pasuk is trying to say. And there's amazing things that within the Pasuk, it's telling you how to turn something into a snake, how to be able to make it into Midas Adin, and then turning it back, and then turning it into Midas HaChesed and making it happen in that way. There's an absolute crazy shot here from the Chassam Sofer in his Drushos on page 135b. If anybody wants to look it up, right, it's an unbelievable thing over there where Ma is part of Moshe Rabbeinu's name as well, and there's a Shin there, etc., where he goes into it. But that's not for us right now. This is enough, I think, to go through. Let's ask a simple question. He knew his staff turned into a snake, right? Why are you running away from the snake? What are you running away from? It's just a staff. 
that turned into a snake. You think a Kaddish Baruch Hu wanted to bite him? A Kaddish Baruch Hu wanted to kill him? Why would a Kaddish Baruch Hu have turned his staff into a snake and then hurt him from it? That doesn't make any sense. So why has Moshe been running away? He should have turned the staff into a snake and immediately stood there looking at it and saying, okay, this is what a Kaddish Baruch Hu wants from me and understood the remez over here. So then Tzib says the obvious answer. When you're shocked when something happens, just shocked, you're just like, oh, like that, you get frightened, your immediate reaction is to run away. Your immediate reaction is to take a step back and say, whoa, whoa, I'm not ready for this. That's the immediate reaction of what happens to a person. Whether a person wants to or doesn't want to, that's what ends up happening. Says the Nitziv, that's HaKadosh Baruch Hu clearly did not want Moshe Rabbeinu to be hurt here. He just, Moshe Rabbeinu instinctively jumped back from the snake itself, and even Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu at the time was not on the highest level of his powers, even Moshe Rabbeinu could be shocked at this moment. Forty years from now, when Moshe Rabbeinu was dying, he wouldn't have been shocked by this. But right now, where this is the first time something like this has happened, he was absolutely shocked. But the Maril Diskin asked it even stronger. Hold on a second. Maybe that's true. Maybe in a normal situation, I throw down a snake and it turns, I throw down a staff and it turns into a snake. I'll be shocked by it. But he's in the middle of a nevuah. He's talking to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. How in the world, in the middle of a nevuah, can you shock yourself and think, oh my gosh, something's about to happen to me? That doesn't make any sense at all. Yes, yes, it happens that you're shocked when something all of a sudden happens in front of you. But you're going to run away while you're in the midst of a nevuah with a Kaddish Baruch Hu? See, when Avram Bina was in the middle of a nevuah and he said, Hashem, I, don't go away from me. Stay here. Then, all right, I can understand that. In Parshish Vayera, I get it that Avram Bino was in the midst of Nevoah, but his challenge was to see the Orchim at the same time. Here, what in the world is Moshe Rabbeinu doing? Says Maral Diskin, this doesn't make any sense. So he gives an answer. He says when he saw the staff turn into a snake, he thought this was God's way of telling him, don't stand here anymore. You can't stand here. That the snake was chasing him away. That Hashem specifically turned into a snake to get him out. So he ran away knowing this is what Hashem wanted from him at this moment. Maybe that's what Hashem wanted him to do right at that moment, and that's why he ran. Thinking that was the message Hashem wanted to tell him. It was the wrong message. Hashem told him, no, go back. So he went back and he grabbed the snake. But that was the idea of what he wanted. That's Maral Diskin's answer. The Panam Yafos says it was again an answer to his question up above. He was wondering why B'nai Yisrael deserved to be saved. Right? He even spoke Lashon Hara about them. Why do they deserve to be saved? Forget about me. Why I am the person to save them. Why do they deserve to be saved? What happened with them? To that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answered, the only reason anyone can stop themselves from sinning is if I give them Siyat Edishmaya. You can't stop yourself from sinning without HaKadosh Baruch Hu's help. Even you, Moshe Beno, as great as you think you are, even in the midst of a nevuah, if I take away my siyat edishmaya and I make you scared, you'll be scared no matter how great you think you are. And Hashem took away his siyat edishmaya, and he threw down the staff into a snake, and in normal situations, he never would have been scared. And he was frightened out of his mind. He couldn't deal with it. He immediately got up and ran. He said, I can't deal with this. I can't. Because when a Kaddish Baruch Hu takes away Yisiyat HaDashmaya, there's nothing you can do. And he said, that's the reason why the people are sinning. The people, I took away certain Yisiyat HaDashmaya from them because of their sins. And that's why they're sinning. All I have to do is put my Yisiyat HaDashmaya back on them. And they won't sin anymore. They do deserve to be saved. All they need is a little bit of help, a little bit of help, and then everything's going to be okay. And that was the answer as to why he ran away. Every word in the Torah is absolutely precious. And obviously the most innocuous psukim seem to be like just... You know, little psukim that don't really mean much. But there's a meaning behind it. And Puzzle Gimel is an ex- extreme example of this. There's a Gemara in Baba Vasar, Daftazayim. It mentions that a female deer in Ayala has a very narrow womb. When it wants to give birth, it's impossible. The baby is too big for the womb, says the Gemara. So what does it do? What's it supposed to do? So Kaddish Baruch Hu is mazmin, mazmin for the, for the deer, 
a snake, a darkone comes up and bites it right by the womb. And that poison that goes into the system is almost like, it's almost like a, uh, like a shot, shot to the system. And it's able to open up the womb wider. And from that, the baby is able to be born. HaKadosh Baruch was telling Eov, I know exactly when to send the snake. If I send the snake a little bit too early, or if I send the snake a little bit too late, it's going to kill the deer. But I send it exactly at the time that it needs it. It's almost as this becomes some type of anesthesia to be able to help the deer, and therefore the deer is able to give birth. So what does that Gemara really mean? What's the Gemara really talking about? I'm not saying this doesn't happen. Right? Maybe it does. Maybe there are deer that only give birth through snakes. But there's a message this Gemara wants to tell us. Why is the Gemara telling us this? So the Otsir Plos, the Torah quotes a sefer, the Arba Meos Shekel Kesef, from Reb Chaim Vital. It's on Yud Dalet who says that he once asked his Rebbe, the Arizal, to explain to him the sod behind that Gemara. He wanted to know the idea behind that Gemara and the real idea behind it, the secret behind that Gemara. And he was told, don't ask it. Don't ask it. But in the end, he begged and he begged Reb Chaim Vital until he got the answer. And then Rav Chaim Vital said, and my Rebbe was punished for telling me this. That's the end of what Rav Chaim Vital says in Abameos Kasef. The Sefer Divrei Yosef, which is another one of the Talmudia Arizal, explains what happened at that story, what, what Rav Chaim Vital was talking about. He says like this, it's an Os Kuftzadi, where he says it. The Arizal was learning with the Hebra Kedisha, certain things that they needed to know, a certain piece in the Zohar. And he came to a certain piece in the Zohar and he said, I cannot reveal the meaning behind this. It has to do with that Gemara of Ayala, the Ayala right over there. He said, if I can't reveal the meaning behind this, if I do, terrible things are going to happen. He claimed that this is the Pusik in our Parsha of Ayanas Moshe Mipanov, that Moshe ran away from the snake, that it's all based on our Pusik right over here. So Chaim Vital begged him and begged him and begged him and begged him and said, please, Rebbe, tell me, tell me, tell me. And eventually he said, whatever you ask me, he said to Rechai Vital, this is what the Arizal said, I'm required to tell you, and therefore I'm going to tell you, but the end will be very bitter. That's what he told Rechai Vital. He told them the secret, and as soon as he finished telling them over what he was supposed to tell them, he smacked himself in the head, and he said, Baruch Daina Emes. So that everybody was quiet. The people that were there were all quiet, and they didn't know what to say. Finally, somebody had the gall to say to the Arizal, Rebbe, what just happened? He said, what happened? So he said, it's been decreed from above that my son is going to pass away. My son is going to pass away. He had a certain son, whatever. I, th- I forgot the age, which one it was, but he's going, to de- he's going to pass away seven days later. So he went home with Rechaim Vital, and his wife told him, our son just came home sick, right? He just came home. He's not feeling well. And seven days later, unfortunately, he passed away. And another version of the Sefer says three days that he, was, he passed away. After the Avelos, the Chavar Kedisha didn't want to go near the Arizal. They were scared. They felt like it was their fault. Rechaim Vital as well. They, they felt like it was their fault that the Arizal had lost his child. They thought they were to blame. He told them, don't worry. This is what he said. Even if he himself or any of his children would have to pass away for this, he would still say it because that's his job in this world. And he felt that he had to tell them anyway. And whatever he could tell them he was going to tell them, that was his job and that's what I'm supposed to do. An unbelievable story. Can you believe these are human beings that existed in our generation, like in our generation, 400 years ago. It's not like they were that far away. Human beings. These aren't malachim. These are regular human beings. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable story. So I tried looking this up a little bit, and I found a Yaros Devash, Rabionis Naibshitz. And I've seen this. I had seen this 12 years ago, and I completely forgot about it. And the Yaros Devash quotes this Arizal. I didn't know the story of the reason. I wrote on the side of my Yaros Devash and I said, I have no idea where this comes from. 
right? But he quotes the Arizal over here on this Pusik. And he says, what does this mean over here? And he asked the whole question that we just asked from the Maral Diskin. You're in the middle of talking to Hashem and you're going to notice that something's a snake and you're going to run away from it? You're going to run away in the, middle of a, in the middle of that? That doesn't make any sense. How could he have done such a thing? So he says, he knows the Arizal had secrets to say. He said, but it doesn't mean that I can't say anything on it. So said, Rabbi Yonis and Ibshitz in his Yaros Tavash, he said, here's my pshat. Now listen to this. It's beautiful. A beautiful pshat. We know that if B'nai Yisrael are in Gullus, if any of B'nai Yisrael are in Gullus, they won't be redeemed until they do tshuva. That's a Gemara in three different places. We won't be redeemed until we do tshuva. Sometimes in order to get us to do tshuva, we need an evil decree, a gezera, or a dictator, an evil person, to get up, make evil decrees, say terrible things about us, and then, because of that, we'll be able to do tshuva. Kadosh Baruch Hu sometimes needs a haman to come into the world for us to do tshuva and then deserve to be able to get out of Gullus. That's the idea behind it. We are the Rachamatsar, the narrow womb of the Ayala. To get us out of the Gullus that we're in and allow us to find our Geula, to be born, so to speak. In order to have that happen, sometimes we need to do certain things to get there. Sometimes we don't want to do mitzvahs and tshuva on our own. That's just not for us. We don't want to do it. We don't want to deal with it. So we don't get involved in stuff like that. Instead, a Kaddish Baruch Hu needs a nachash to come in and spark us to do tshuva. A person like Haman is the nachash. A person like Nebuchadnezzar is the nachash. Somebody will come in and force us to do tshuva so that we're going to do it the right way. Moshe Rabbeinu found it difficult to believe that B'nai Yisrael deserved to be saved. So a Kaddish Baruch Hu showed him, I have a nachash. You're right. B'nai Yisrael on their own do not deserve to be saved. But they are a nachash. Take your staff, Moshe Rabbeinu. Throw it down to the ground. There's a person named Paro. I'm going to make evil decrees in the land. And the evil decrees are going to make the Jews do tshuva. And once they do tshuva, then they'll deserve to be saved. Then they'll deserve to have that geula and everything's going to be okay. Moshe ran away. You know why he ran away? He ran away because he saw the decrees were too harsh. The children being used as bricks. The children being thrown into the, 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 the rivers, even though that happened all the way when Moshe Rabbeinu was a kid, all the things that were happening in his time, and he saw, he said, Baruch, they can't survive this. There's no way that the Jewish people are going to be able to survive this slavery and they're going to be able to do everything you want them to do. How in the world do you expect them to go through? And that's why he ran away. And Akadosh Baruch Hu said, go back, grab it by the tail. Be machnia yourself. Knock yourself down. Make yourself realize that Akadosh Baruch Hu is in charge and that you're not in charge. And when that happens, everything's going to work out. I feel that the real shot behind this, he goes into it a little bit, but I think there's so much more to say. The Ayala Shlucha, the Ayala Shlucha is known as Esther Hamalka. That's the Ayala Shlucha. She is known as the Ayala. Parakhav Bez and Tehillim goes into this. And that Haman is the Nachash. It's all part of this entire thing. It's a really unbelievable idea that helped Klau Yisrael be saved by Purim, Klau Yisrael by Mitzrayim, and it's all Merames too in this Pasuk of him turning the staff into a snake and running away from it and then grabbing it by the tail. That's the idea behind it. Now, for sure, it's not what the Arizal meant. The Arizal is talking about a secret that unfortunately is too much for us to be able to understand. But this is the Aristotle, is at least a somewhat, a small understanding of what this Pasuk could mean in another fashion, other than the obvious shot that he's showing a sign that he's going to save the Jews. That's the idea behind it. Okay. Kadosh Baruch Hu said to him, as we said before, what's that in your hands? What a silly question. Isn't that a silly question? Why does God need to ask what's in your hands? And Moshe Rabbeinu answers him. He says, it's a mata. Doesn't that sound like, that's, a, that's not a question you answer. 
A guy goes up to you, he knows what's in your hands. You don't say something like that. You don't answer back. In fact, the Medrash nails Bilam for this. Bilam, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Bilam, who are those people that are staying in your house tonight? Who are these people? Where'd they come from? And he said, oh, they're the men of Midian and Moab that came to ask me if I could save their nation from the Jews. Should I do it? And the Medrash goes crazy, you fool. Bilam, you think God doesn't know who they are? You have to explain to God who they are? And you have to tell them, oh, that's who they are? That's ridiculous. Of course God knows. Don't answer. Wait for a Baruch to say something to you. Don't answer that. That's not a question you answer. So if the Medrash goes crazy on Bilam and knocks out Bilam and calls him a fool beyond a fool, then how in the world does Moshe Rabbeinu answer and say, oh, it's a staff? It's the same thing. Why would you answer that question? That's not a question you're supposed to answer. Why would you answer it? The Orachayim HaKadosh says, it's the way it's asked. When something is straight out and obvious and revealed in front of everybody, right, then it's not a problem to ask the question because it's obvious like a magician or, you know, one of those guys who gets up there, one of those sleight of hand guys, he goes up to you and he's like, hey, what's that in your hands? Oh, you think it's a staff? No, it's not. It's a snake. Ooh, like that. When it's revealed right there in front of you, that's the question in order to get to the answer so you realize it's not what you think it is. By Bilam, there's no way for other people to have known who these people are. So Bilam thought that Akadosh Baruch was just clueless. He hadn't been paying attention for a little bit. All of a sudden he comes in and he's like, hey, who are these guys? How'd they get here? To which Bilam said, oh, don't worry, they're the officers of Midian and Moab. To which the Medrash says, of course he knew who they were. He was trying to show you not to go with them. Why would you answer that? It's just, it's something in which it's not revealed, it's not well known, maybe he doesn't know. That's why Bilam answered him. By Moshe, he understood. This is something that no one needs to ask. He's holding a staff. And since he's holding it, if HaKadosh Baruch Hu's asking him, what is that? It's clearly to show him it's not really a staff. And therefore he said, it's a staff, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What do you want it to become? And that's why he's not nailed for the exact same thing. But the truth is, why did Moshe Rabbeinu have a staff? What did he do right before he came into the spot of the snap? Does anybody know? What did Moshe Rabbeinu have to do? But, but what was he? He was, he was a shepherd. But what did he have to do? Take off his shoes, right? Why? Because the land that he was walking on was... Holy ground. On the Makoma Mikdash, now granted, this was Harsinai, right, where the Sneh was, not, not the Makoma Mikdash, but in a holy place, you take off your shoes. You know what else you're not supposed to have on Makoma Mikdash? A money bag and a staff. You can't bring your walking stick with you. So why did he have his walking stick with him? And even more so, why didn't Akarish Baruch tell him to put it down before he came in? He told him to take off his shoes, right? Because of Makom Kadosh. So why didn't he tell him to put down his staff? Isn't that the next thing you would say to him? That's obvious. Put down your staff. It doesn't belong here. That should be what he said. So why do you think he did that? Why do you think he told him to go through? The Moshe of Zikinim says, since a miracle was going to happen through the staff, he told him on purpose, keep the staff with you. Take off your shoes. So Moshe Rabbeinu probably looked at the staff. You want me to put down the staff? And Hashem said, no, 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 keep the staff. You're going to need the staff. And that's when he pointed out later on, Mazabiyotko, what is in your hands? A staff. I left it in your hands so I could show you this sign. That was the idea that the Moshe of Zikinim says. Rav Schwab says the exact opposite. Moshe Rabbeinu was a smart man. He knew that wasn't the nicest thing to do. Took off his shoes, put down his staff. And he stood there as if he was davening Shmona Esrei, talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in front of the snap. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu turned to him and said, Mazeb what's in your hands? And he said, nothing. And then he looked and he's like, oh, my staff. Says Rav Schwab, the staff appeared in his hands, even though it was on the ground and he left it on the ground. He wasn't carrying it before. 
It just appeared in his hands. And if anybody asks, well, how is that possible? How could a matah just appear in somebody's hands? I just want you to remember, it's God. That's number one. Number two, the matah was created in the Sheshis Yimei Bereshis, in the first six days of creation. Bein HaShemashos, Erev Shabbos Bein HaShemashos. If anything can appear all of a sudden in the middle of nowhere, it's a staff. The same way the Ayel, the ram that Avram Vinu used as the Akeda when Yitzchak was killed, the same way the Ayel all of a sudden appeared out of nowhere, so too this staff appeared out of nowhere. And he said, what is that? And he said, oh, it's my staff. I had no idea. It says we're shrub, that's what happened. But then it says such a shots, and it's brilliant. You know, we look through Navi and it seems so easy, right? You look through Navi and you see Yermia and Yechezkel, and they keep having the same thing. Even Zechariah, you see the same lines over and over again, where a Kaddish Baruch who shows them a vision, they see a makel livnet. They see a seer, like a pot that's overflowing. They see a menorah. And a Kaddish Baruch who says to them, what do you see? And he answers, and he says, I see a menorah. I see a seer. I see a, a makel. That's what I see. I see this with my eyes. Now, guys, to us, because we're looking at it after the Navi already said it, right, it seems obvious. People, that's not what the dream was all about. The dream was an all-encompassing dream with a thousand things going on. A thousand things. And the Navi needs to concentrate on one specific thing within the dream. And after the dream was over, HaKadosh Baruch Hu turned to the Navi and said, What did you see? Now, he could have said, Oh, I was walking down the street and I had an ice cream cone. And as I was holding my ice cream cone and looking at it, all of a sudden I saw a truck go by and there was a menorah on the side. Then Hashem would have said to the Navi, you're not ready. Bye. And he would have said goodbye to him. And that would have been it. A Navi needs to concentrate on what's the big thing in the dream and everything else, so to speak, is all leading up to that point. What's the icker behind the dream? So to Yaakov's dream. What do we have in Yaakov's dream, guys? There was a ladder, right? There was a ladder going up to Shemayim. There were other things there as well. We just only know about the ladder because Yaakovin was able to concentrate on one thing in the dream that was important. And part of what a Navi is, is a good Sherlock Holmes. To be able to understand, ignore everything else. What's the one clue that's going to help me over here? The one thing that I need to look at that's going to be able to help. And again, we look at it in hindsight. We see this Nevi'im that always guessed correctly. And we're like, oh, that was good. But part of what they needed to do was figure out how to do such a thing. When you go into a Sugya and Gemara, Right? When you learn a regular sugya, there are so many different things that the Rishonim and the Akronim bring up that you'll find yourself lost if you don't know how to do it properly. Part of going to a proper Ian Shear and growing up in an Ian Shear and going to a Shear over and over and over again is to start recognizing what's the Iker in the sugya and what's the Tuffle. Not that there are Rishonim that are Tuffle, Chas v'shalom, but what you concentrate on why we're specifically doing Bava Kama, Bava Mitzia, Bava Basra, why we're doing Ksubis, Kiddush, and Gittin, and not, let's say, Moid Katan, why we're not doing Yerushalmi. Well, we're not doing those. There's specific things that we want to get, which all the Achronim talk about and all the Rishonim talk, what are they concentrating on? And yes, there's other kashas and other things in the sugya, but that's not the concentration. What are you concentrating on? What are you looking at? And what do you go through? That's what a Navi does. Says in Itziv, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu looked at Moshe Rabbeinu and said, what's in your hands? There were other things in his hands. He didn't just have a mate. There were other things around him. I don't know what he had. He might have had a coin. He might have had a flint. He might have had anything else. But he said, what's in your hands? And Moshe Rabbeinu said, you want the staff, don't you? You want me to ignore this and ignore the other things I have. You want me to say the staff. And HaKadosh Baruch said, Yofi. That's exactly what I was looking for. I wanted you to say the staff. And you did it. You did it properly. Perfect. That's exactly what I wanted you to say. 
And that's the pshat behind this idea, says the Nitziv, that he concentrated, understood what Hashem wanted, and therefore it was a serious question. It wasn't just a strange question that he had to answer, as if he wasn't expecting an answer. It was a real question looking for a specific answer, and he got this specific answer. He got exactly what he was supposed to do. We don't have that much time over here. Partis Yosef says he really was asking, what kind of meat are you going to lead Klal Yisrael with? How do you lead Klal Yisrael? What do you have, Moshe Rabbeinu, to lead Klal Yisrael? Moshe Rabbeinu said, a staff. I think the greatest thing that a leader could have is leadership to be able to knock down the other people. Knock down everyone and say, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm the one in charge. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu said, you know what that turns into? He threw it to the ground and it turned into a snake. A leader like that will never be able to lead a people. People will scream at him. People will yell at him. And you'll have to run away. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu ran away. To which he told them, you know what you got to do? Grab it by its tail. Act humbly. And if you act humble, then at first... You act and you say, people, tell me what you want me to do. In the end, it'll turn into a staff. And then you can treat them with a harsher treatment. But you can't start off that way. You start off that way, everybody will hate you. If you, in the end, go through there, then it's a little bit different. If people see you as an authoritarian just in the beginning, they're not going to understand the rachamim you have. Do it with rachamim in the beginning and then build up. And that really, if anybody knows Navi, uh, I'm assuming not, right? Okay, but that's Rechavim. That's what happened with Rechavim. Rechavim was told by his, by his Zikanim, listen first. First be soft with them, and then you can raise the taxes. Do not raise the taxes in the beginning. When Rechavim didn't listen, that caused Yeravim Benavot to go off. That's exactly the lesson let's learn from over here. The Malbim has an absolute awesome shot over here. And we're not going to be able to do all of it, unfortunately, but specifically a Mata. Why the Mata? There are three words used for a staff in the Torah. The word mashenes, makil, and mata. Mashenes, makil, mata. A mashenes is used for old people to lean on. A mashenes is a type of staff that you lean on. You can't walk without it. That's a mashenes. A makil is used by shepherds to hit the sheep. To hit the sheep, to get them going, to move them around so that they know exactly what they're supposed to do. A mata is something that shows chashivus. A mata, like a shevet, is called a mata. A mata shows your chashivas of who you are. Moshe Rabbeinu was an old man. He's 80 years old, at 79 technically. And he's a shepherd. He's also a shepherd. He very easily could have called this a mashenes. He very easily could have called it a makil. But he called it a mata. And a Kaddish Baruch who said, that shows me your chashivas. That shows me what kind of a person you are. You think of your staff as a mata, not a makil, not a mashenes. You think of yourself as a good person. That makes everything different. And he says, when you hold on to that, and you hold on to that mata, everything will be good when it goes down over there. There's a Sturmbach over here. There's a Meshachachma. There's a Rav Hirsch that a mata serves a dual function. It can lean on for support. That's the idea behind it. And it also means to stretch your hand over something. To be mata as yado, to stretch out your hand like he did by the sea. He's able to stretch out his hand over something else. This sign was... That one thing that a person uses for support, that somebody else might use for support, for you could be something that unfortunately stretches out and becomes something that unfortunately becomes a punishment for that person. It can be something that you lean on. It can become your own destruction of a Baruch who wills it so. A mate can become a snake. 
even a matzah could be something which is destructive and to take a person down. All right, we already said before the Torah and the Panayach Raza say that the Nachash refers to the Paro himself, and that's what it refers to. There's an Orachayim HaKadosh over here who refers to the Nachash HaKadmoni. There's a connection between Paro and the Nachash HaKadmoni. There's a Kliyaka referring to all this as well, but the Alshech. We're going to end with the Alshech and maybe a Ramban if we have time, but the Alshech for sure. The Alshech says the most amazing thing. B'nai Yisrael certainly would ask a Kaddish Baruch why Moshe was being chosen. Moshe Rabbeinu said, why am I being chosen? We said before that Moshe Rabbeinu was a great person. Why he specifically, him, why? 60 years ago, Moshe Rabbeinu ran away from Paro. He didn't have the strength to stand in front of Paro. Paro tried to kill him. He sent him to his chief executioner for killing an Egyptian. And Paro, right, when he tried to kill him, Moshe Rabbeinu ran away. He didn't fight Paro. He didn't fight the executioner. When he saw that he had gotten away, miraculously, he ran away and he never came back. So when Moshe Rabbeinu comes back 60 years later, he goes up to the people and he says, all right, guys, I'm ready to take you out. They say, oh, now you're ready to fight? When you were 20 and in your prime, when you were ready, when you should have been ready to fight, when you'd be the person who could start a war, start a rebellion because you grew up in the kingdom, you didn't fight. That's when you ran away. And now you want to fight? Now when you're 80 years old, this is when you want to fight? Moshe, something's really bad with that. Something smells here. That doesn't make any sense. So says Moshe Rabbeinu, what am I supposed to do? The right. The right. I didn't do that in the first place. So what did I do wrong over here? What am I doing wrong? What am I supposed to be doing properly? What's the right thing to do? So listen to this. And it's such a brilliant shot. The idea is, we all know what happened when Moshe Rabbeinu was a child, right? When he was a child, he was sitting on Paro's lap. And what did he do? Yeah, no, he reached for Paro's crown and put it on his own head, right? He put it on his own head. Hashem said to Moshe. What's that in your hands? It's the crown of Paro. At first, you had the power and you were always shown that you had the power to take over the kingdom. Even as a little baby, you showed everyone that you were willing to take over the entire nation. That's Mazah So that's the reason why it's written without a hay because it shows that he was a child at the time. When you separated from him and you ran away on your own, that's throwing down the staff. You decided you weren't going to be a leader. That's because... You had killed an Egyptian man. You turned Paro into a snake. And when the Rishayim turn into evil snakes, there's no way to be able to touch them. You can't go near them. At that time, Paro was more powerful than you. Because the Bnei Yisrael weren't ready. You weren't ready. He was a snake. And you were nothing. You were supposed to run away. And that's why you ran away to Midian. But now, Echos Biznavo. You can grab it on to its little tail. Says the Alshech. That means, now it's time for you to go back. You can grab it by the tail. You can force Paro to do your bidding and make him into your own staff. And that's what's going to happen. Bring the makos about and everything will be there. This whole thing was a remez to Moshe Rabbeinu about his life. That he says to the people, the reason why I ran away before is because I wasn't ready. Paro was too strong and you weren't ready to go out. But it's time now. You're ready to go out. Paro is not as strong. And I am more powerful and I have a Kaddish Baruch Hu on my side. That's what the sign was. He would grab the staff and show the people, this is what I'm ready to do. You're right. Maybe I shouldn't have. But back then, Paro was too powerful. Now I can do it. Now I'll be able to win. The Ramban over here says, that's the real point of all the signs in the first place. Why show any signs to Moshe Rabbeinu? The signs should be for the people. They don't need to be done for Moshe Rabbeinu. And the answer is obvious. There were three signs, right? Number one was the staff turning into a snake. Number two was his hand getting saras when he pulled it out. Number three was what? What was the third sign? I'm sorry? Taking the water. 
pouring on the ground and turning it into blood. He did two of them here. He did the staff into a snake, and he did the entire thing about his hand turning into rock. He did not do the water turning into blood. That sign was only for Klau Yisrael. These two signs were for him. It was to tell him, you did something wrong, Moshe Rabbeinu, and you need to work on it. You are the leader, and therefore you're going to be held responsible for anything that happens to the Jews. These two signs he did for himself, and then he did them for the people. The third sign was only done for the people himself. Says the Ramban, the purpose of this lesson was not only for, him, for the people, it was also for Moshe Rabbeinu to realize how powerful he really was, what kind of a person he really was. So what do we talk about today? We talked about mazeh and mazeh, why it's written without the hay itself. We talked about the shamos of a Kaddish Baruch that were used in order to affect that, to make that happen, why he ran away in the first place, the sowed behind the Pusik from Reb Chaim Vital, why it was a silly question and what he really meant, and finally what the mata means and why Moshe Rabbeinu himself was going to be chosen. We'll stop with that, everybody. Have a great Shabbos.